It's time for Girls in Golf Podcast with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready. Welcome to Girls in Golf. I'm Lex, joined by Sarah, and today we are joined by our most frequent guest and one of our most honored, Amanda Balionis. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We're super happy to have you because you're coming off of the last men's major of the year, um, which just so happened to occur last week in Augusta, Georgia. Um, So we want to hear a little bit about it. I think, first of all, I would like to start with who was actually allowed on the grounds with you, the media crew. Um, yeah, it was, it really, there, there were not very many people. I think the people, um, that you saw me and we talked about it on the broadcast were, uh, family, family of the players. And then, uh, you know, Augusta national, um, you you know, the employees that the staff that help us put on, you know, an, an incredible week, no matter when it's hosted. And then, as you said, other media and then members, and, um, and some of their family as well. So yeah, there were not very many people out there and everyone who was out there for the most part had, had a role in, in something, you know, they were doing and it was uh, a very, very surreal week. I, I would, is the best way I would probably describe it. <laughs> uh, what was the difference that you felt in the overall atmosphere for this tournament? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I think it still definitely felt like the masters, you know, like when I, when I saw players on Wednesday and, you know, every other time I've covered the masters Wednesday is definitely the most high tension feeling guys are not relaxed anymore. They don't really want to stay and and talk to you for very long. They're, they're pretty locked in and, and ready to get it going. And I always kind of thought, I think a big part of that was that, you know, the traditions like the par three contest and, um, you know, the media obligations and all of those things, the patrons, um, and autographs, all that stuff kind of played into it. And it was still the same exact vibe this year. Uh, guys were still so lasered in and you, that's when I, that's when I realized, you know, we all want it to feel the way the masters always feels, because I think it's truly one of the most magical weeks of our entire year, not just in golf, but I think in all of sports and, and we want we want it to go back to that, but, uh, guys still treat it the exact same way because there is nothing more coveted. I don't think stateside, um, than, than a green jacket. So the feel was just a little bit quieter. Um, but you know, when you have a golf course that is, you know, hallowed grounds like Augusta national and, and people can't get enough of seeing, that golf course and all its beauty. And all of a sudden now you've cleared out the entire course to really appreciate every angle of that beauty that usually we don't get to see. Um, I think there was a, a, an appreciation if, you know, I would say there was an appreciation for the fact that we even got to be there and we got to cover it and we got to take advantage of doing it in a different way. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think there's one person that would tell you the patrons weren't missed because they, they certainly were. Yeah. I think that was something that we heard in a lot of your interviews, you know, which, um, which is to be expected. I think they've been missed all year and especially here where, they, the players have said like, that's how, you know, where people are at on the course, or you feel that pressure that something's happening. So I, I feel like maybe, maybe having some people around was nice with the families and whatnot, but 
do you feel like the strategy or like players coming off the course felt a little less pressure then to like, they were more in their own head than worrying about what everyone else was doing or the reverse. Yeah. I mean, I think the players that thrive off of that high energy definitely felt, felt it a little bit, but it was interesting. I mean, you, you know, I had one player who's, you know, wants to complete the career grand slam and has to do it here <laughs> um, at the masters. He said that he usually loses 10 to 15 pounds just from anxiety. He told us that on Sunday afternoon and said this year, I did not lose 10 to 15 pounds because that, that anxiety wasn't, wasn't there as much. He said, but I still understand what I have to do. But I thought that was unbelievable insight in terms of what a full throttle masters can do, especially when you're trying to accomplish, um, you know, add your name to the history books. But I think that's anyone, whether they're trying to win their, their fifth green jacket, or they're trying to win their first, um, it, it doesn't really matter that, that feeling of, this is the moment that you've dreamed of your whole life, I think is very much there from start to finish. So um, do I think it was lesser than? Yes. I think it gave, you know, Dylan Fratelli is probably a great example. His first masters, he missed the cut. Second masters, um, he had no fear in this one. And he said that he said, there are only so many times in your life, you're going to put yourself in contention. And why wouldn't I just go full throttle? I think full throttle with no patrons is very different from full throttle being in the second or third to last group. Um, when you have thousands of patrons, there, letting you know exactly what's going on from start to finish with their, with their roars. So, um, yeah, I think this was the year that it allowed guys to really stay within themselves and see how they can accomplish um, getting around Augusta national, um, you know, on the biggest stage. And, and I'll be interested to see how that positively affects guys moving forward. I think those who saw the masters for their first time with no fans, I just wonder if they're going to be more confident now moving forward as they go towards more masters in a more normal environment. Cause they're like, yeah, I could do this. I've done it before, um, and be able to use this experience to their benefit. Amanda, I wanted to kind of dive into what you were talking about with emotions before, um, specifically on that last interview. Um, I wanted to know how did you keep your composure, um, keep the cadence of the broadcast, but also let someone process their emotional response? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it was just so shocking to me to see him be that emotional. Um, you know, I've been interviewing... I've been interviewing these guys since 2011, right? So I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what I'm going to get and when. Um, and there are certain players like Kevin Na, for instance, right? Like I know when he does well, I know when he wins, he's going to be emotional. And you're like, you're ready for it. You're pumped up for it. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing because he, he does let us, he lets us in and he, and I think that's why fans um, really love him, but there are guys that you are not expecting emotion from. And the one on Sunday was certainly, was certainly that, um, I had never seen emotion from him before in that way, aside from just being really happy, <laughs> you know, but, um, but tears and, and overwhelming, um, passion and sense of accomplishment was, it was so wonderful. Um, and I just remember thinking in that moment, like, 
oh my gosh, let him have this, you know? And, and there was nothing I could say in that moment that was going to represent or portray better than him not being able to say anything, you know? And, and I, and I always think about that. I listen to Oprah podcasts a lot, which I'm pretty sure I bring up on every one of these podcasts. <laughs> At some point I'm going to meet her. Um, but I, you know, there's something she always said about like trusting your gut. And if you don't know something, if you're not sure about something, do nothing. And I kind of apply that to every part of my life. Like if I am not a hundred percent, if my gut doesn't tell me to a hundred percent do something, then I do nothing until my gut really tells me to, to do something one way or the other. And, and I really felt in that moment, I didn't know what to say. And if I didn't know what to say, say nothing. Um, and I, you know, you also have to trust your producer and our coordinating producer, Lance Barrow, who's been there for 44 years. I knew he was going to tell me in my ear when it was time to move on. So I had to trust my gut to do what I thought, um, was the best thing. And I had to trust my teammates to let me know when it was time, um, you know, to continue forward. And it was funny cause I, I mentioned, um, you know, Bubba Watson crying at the end because, I saw him, uh, obviously he was one of the first people waiting for, uh, for our champion when he walked off the course on Sunday night. And I remember thinking what a, what a stark difference between how his reaction was and how our current champion's reaction was. And all of a sudden our current champion had almost the same reaction, um, as the man who's known for just like letting his emotions out there, uh, in the biggest way probably we've ever seen at at the masters. So, um, you know, I just, I just thought it was, it was, it was a very cool full circle moment for so many reasons. And, I just really felt like if you're seeing something that we've never seen from someone before, let that moment breathe and let everybody take it in. Cause who knows when we're going to see it again. Yeah. And I, I think the great part about it, and we've talked about it before, at least offline. And I think it's been brought up at least by podcasts, like no laying up and some other um, people in golf media that at CBS, you guys have such a great team. You guys know each other well and you trust each other. And that comes in huge when you have moments like that on a broadcast that you can't predict, you know, you might be trying to meet, um, a time requirement, but you have to let these athletes have, have their moment and you guys give them the space to do that, which I think is great. And speaking of the broadcast crew, we saw another woman join uh, the ESPN crew, your friend, Michelle Lee West. How do you think she did? And I mean, I thought she did great. And I think it's really exciting to have another woman on the biggest major of the year. Yeah, I thought Michelle crushed it. Um, It was so much fun to work with her all week. Uh, She just provides such honest, concise, simple insight, which I think is that's exactly what we're always looking for. Right. Like, and she, I think really for her, what she does so well is she is so well connected with the younger players on tour. So when she says something about, you know, any of these young guys, I know that she's saying, cause she literally just texts them and they responded within two minutes. And that's the type of insight and, and brutal honesty that I think we're looking for. Listen, Michelle knows what it's like to not, achieve, um, the expectations right out the gate that people expect. And she, she knows what it's like to win a major championship. Like she knows 
what it's like to battle injury. She literally knows the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And she knows what it's like to just have the whole world watching your, your whole life. And I think there are so few people that know that experience. And then there's even fewer people who are willing to open themselves up and talk about it and then apply it to what we're seeing, um, you know, with others. So I think she is, she's so hardworking the exact way that she was grinding as a player and she's still grinding as a player. It's the exact way she's grinding as an analyst. Um, and you can't, you can't really teach that. You know what I mean? I think either there are some guys that come in, not just guys, but you know, there's some people that come in, um, as athletes and just sit in the chair and think they don't have to do any prep because, because they've been there, done that. And I, those are not necessarily the ones that I think see forever success. Um, I think someone like Michelle comes in and she wants, she wants to prepare the same way she would prepare for a tournament. Like she just wants to know, know everything and not be surprised by anything. And I just, you could tell that in her featured group coverage. And I thought her and Billy Kratzer and Andrew Catalan together were a great team. It was like the perfect mix of humor and insight. And, you know, Billy's a four-time winner. He's, you know, he held the lead um, at a master's. He, he knows what that's like. And then you have Michelle, who's giving us the, the younger skewing, um, you know, perspective and also someone who knows what it takes to win a major and also knows what it's like, um, you know, to not, you know, to have all of these expectations put on you and, and not necessarily be able to give that to everybody right away. So I thought she, I thought she crushed and I selfishly want to see her back out there on the golf course, but I also selfishly want her to be a part of our team. So I don't know if she can figure out how to do all of that, but that would, and be a mom and be a wife and be a dog mom. So Michelle, we're going to have to talk about this because there's a lot of, there's more expectations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw it on Instagram, her preparation while she was doing her research, she posted with, you know, little baby McKenna in her lap. Like she's superwoman already, but, uh, maybe literally maybe super figure woman. something out. I know. I don't <laughs> know how she does it all and does it well. Right. I mean, everybody, can spread themselves thin. Like that's not the hard part. The hard part is saying you're going to take on everything and do it well. And somehow she does that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I stand for Michelle Wee for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just a couple more questions before we let you go. Um, you did post on Instagram that you love to go visit, um, Jim Nance and Nick Faldo in Butler cabin. What's another like favorite tradition that you have when you go to Augusta, Georgia? Yeah, I know. Poor Jim. I don't know if he loves that tradition. Cause like we're there so early in the morning I'm, and I like, I, I am not a morning person. You guys know this. I do not talk to anyone unless I've had like my three cups of coffee and it's past 10 o'clock, but master's week, all bets are off. I don't sleep. I'm so like excited to get to the course. I, I like hopped in like a little spring chicken at seven in the morning and I'm like, Hey Jim, could you uh, sit down in that chair so we get this great picture? Hey, can we turn on the lights? And everyone's like, oh my God, go, go away. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just think it's, it's so cool to listen. Jim is someone I've looked up to my whole life. And now I get to call him a colleague and a friend. And I'm never going to take that for granted. I'm just not. And same thing with Nick, um, with Nick Faldo. I just, this whole team, I want to soak in every single moment. Um, and you know, another favorite tradition is, is being able to talk to Vern Lundquist, you know, like there is nobody better than Vern. And I can't tell you how many people have asked me, is he as great 
in person as he is on TV. And the answer is so honest. He's better. Like he is so witty. And there are so many things that he'll say in conversation. It takes you a second to realize how funny it just was. Cause he says it in just like this nonchalant way. He just, he just has a way about him. That's just, I, I don't know if I could be half as good as he, as he is. Um, I would be thrilled with my career, but honestly, like my favorite traditions are eating the sandwiches and spending time with this, you know, with my CBS team in a place that not a lot of people get to say that they are with those people. Um, and I also just really like taking it all in. There's, there's a lot of moments. I think one of the great things is, you know, we don't have our cell phones out. You're not allowed to be on your cell phone. Um, and there are a lot of moments throughout that week where I just stand in silence, staring out at, you know, at the view in front of me and just really appreciate where I am and, and what it took to get there and how, how grateful I am to have, you know, to be back there for another year. So a lot of it just really is being in the moment because I think a lot of us, a lot of us don't take that time in our normal lives. And that's one week where you're kind of forced to shut everything down and really laser in on what you're doing and where you are. Um, and it, it makes you very appreciative, I would say. I love that. Um, one more thing before we let you go the favorite thing that you got from the November special gift shop? Oh, um, ooh. so for me personally, it's the gnome. I collect the master's gnomes. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of them, <laughs> but I love them. So they're just so cute. Uh, the master's gnomes and the master's mugs are the things I collect, but I will say my favorite things to be able to gift this year was to my boyfriend. We were able to get the uh, the master's viewing party package, which was insane. Like that was so cool that you could get your own pimento cheese, egg salad, barbecue, chip, all of the things um, with the cups, no less, uh, delivered. And then pretty much all of my friends have had babies in 2020. So I sent them all baby onesies and it was just the best cuteness overload to get all of the pictures on Sunday morning. I, t I took it as like my good luck, good vibes. Cause what could be a better vibe than babies and master's onesies? Um, those were like my favorite things to gift for sure. But my God, masters, masters, uh, merchandise shop, just take all of my money every year because it's, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, one day you'll have, uh, you know, a nice yard to put the gnomes in. And then uh, when you get a puppy, you're going to have to bubble wrap them because that's true. Lord knows something will happen to the gnomes. Yeah, well, that puppy's going to have to have an understanding that we respect anything that is master's memorabilia. I'm sure if anyone can figure that out, it's you. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. Can't wait to see you when you get back to San Diego. Diego. Well, we stand Michelle, we West, maybe we stand San Diego too. Um, obviously, it's time to wrap. So we will see you next week on Girls in Golf with a very, very special guest from the LPGA Tour. Bye.